The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Uh, good evening, my friends. Welcome back to the show about money. It's a delight. It's a privilege. It's a pleasure to spend an hour with you to talk about that. So, indeed... Jack and I continuously speak about ikiga, passion in life. Got to get out of bed, find some passion. We call it work. Do it, and you must save some money and invest some money, and you will build wealth. Slow, steady, Eddie wins the race. Buy quality, stay on plan, systematic wealth creation. And 20, 25 years, bingo. The fruit will come off that tree like you've never seen before. That's what it takes about 25 years. But we're going to work so hard to create all this wealth that requires planning involved. It's called estate planning. It's a very key component. It's something that we don't do terribly frequently, but something that we have to continuously pay attention to uh, because laws change. We're getting older. You have more wealth. And there's more moving parts. There's children. There is in-laws. Uh, there could be divorces, breakdowns, but it gets complicated. And as such, I, I'm a strong believer in, in surrounding yourself with uh, knowledgeable individuals, great tax advisors, great legal advisors, great money managers. Hey, that's Jack and I, the great money manager. By the way, any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com is the portal uh, that has uh, all the information you need to get a hold of us. And we uh, will always get back to you right away. But um, I uh, am delighted to uh, bring on Jennifer Lynch. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. She is a lawyer. Uh, her firm, Robbins Appleby, LLP. Uh, I watched on Netflix, I'm going to digress for a second here, on Netflix during the pandemic, a uh, show about a lawyer. It was Australian. It was called Drake. And there it was Esquire. So I had to Google the word Esquire. And I'm going to throw it to Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, what does the word Esquire mean? And did you watch the series Drake? I did not, but I'm going to put that on my list. I'm always looking it's for good shows. So good, good lawyer show. So good. Oh, so funny. So it's yes, it's a the, the word Drake means um, degenerate. So it's, okay. it's about a degenerate Australia. It's so funny and so savvy. Oh, it's funny. I don't know if it's still available, but um, and then the word Esquire. Uh, to, to talk about that word, Jennifer. So we don't actually use that in Canada. That's a, a remnant from, I believe, the British legal system. Um, so uh, it's, you know, it's a little bit old fashioned, I think, and it's just not something that was ever adopted here. Yeah, no, it was, I, just, I had to Google the word, but it, it, I guess it, uh, it's been replaced by LLP. Uh, and what does LLP stand for? Uh, it just refers to being a limited partnership. It's generally the way most law firms here are structured in Ontario. Oh, limited partnership. Oh, mm -hmm. okie dokie. Yeah, that, that, that protects you. Uh, yes, indeed. If you go into business, my friends, ultimately you want to incorporate yourself to protect yourself from liability. Jennifer did it. See, she's taking her own advice. I like that. Uh, Jennifer, I want to begin with um, what I'm noticing is more common law relationships uh, creeping up. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, can, can we begin with the difference, the legal difference um, for, from a financial point of view? Uh, between common law and getting married because the institution 
of marriage has changed the laws such that I think it's quite onerous towards uh, the breadwinner. Uh, it's not what he used to be. It's, it's the, the pendulum has swung. Um, so uh, for individuals who don't want to get married from a financial point of view, is it better to go common law? So please go through those details for us. Well, I don't know whether or not, you know, the question is better or worse. I mean, generally speaking, legally, we determine somebody to be in a common law relationship when they've been living together and in, in a relationship of some permanence for over three years, or if, if two people are together and they have a child together. Those are usually the markers of, under the Family Law Act of when we determine somebody to be in a common law relationship uh, as, as opposed to just some other, you know, less uh, formal spousal relationship. So, you know, the difference of being in a common law relationship is that there are certain entitlements to support and, um, you know, certain other things that uh, people who are deemed to be spouses, common law or otherwise, uh, can do under the family law. So, for instance, if they are, if one wishes to transfer property to um, someone who is a spouse under the family law, they can do so with you know, no land transfer tax implications. So there's different legal ramifications in this regard. Um, and also, if people separate in their common law spouses, there are entitlements to support um, under the family law. And that's usually the case where it comes up most often. But in my line of work, what's you know, often the conversation is what happens when somebody who is in a common law relationship dies. And most often this is when they die without a will, because in Ontario, when you die without a will, your legally married spouse is entitled to inherit from your estate. They're entitled to inherit uh, the first $350,000 of assets that you may own in your name alone. Um, and, you know, they're entitled to a percentage over that, depending on whether or not you are also leaving surviving children. But those rights don't apply for common law relationships. If you were to die leaving a common law spouse, that person's not entitled to share in the distribution of your estate if you die without a will. If you have surviving parents, then all your assets would go instead to your parents. So that's an important distinction. Uh, continue. This is, this is enlightening. Sure. So, so I mean, I, I guess, you know, to your question of whether or not it's better or worse to get married, uh, I would say, you know, it, getting married is a very personal decision. And there's many things that go through somebody's mind when making that decision. But if you choose to not get married and you choose to live with your spouse, common law, then it's just important to remember that having a will is very important in that situation because Without having that piece of paper, like I said, your spouse, who you probably would want to inherit your assets and you would want to make sure are, they are provided for on your death, they otherwise would not have any sort of entitlement. That's an interesting point. So, in fact, a will can be more relevant, more useful, a tool in a common law situation than, than a normal matrimonious relationship. Absolutely. And, interesting, interesting. Let me... Uh, um, and again, enlighten the audience and myself, please educate Jack and I. There is a difference provincially, and this is provincial family law, I believe what we're talking about falls under, but the legislation in Quebec is a little different than the legislation in Ontario, correct? And if so, could you get married in Quebec, move to Ontario, which law would apply? 
So I'm actually only licensed to, to practice law in Ontario. And I have to say, I'm really only familiar with the law in Ontario. I'm not very familiar with um, the rights of common law spouses in Quebec. Um, if you were to get married in Quebec, you know, and you were to die with assets in Ontario, then I would say, you know, for our purposes, for state administration purposes, it's very much the the law of the uh, the place where you have died that would that would govern certain um, distributions. But I, I think that's something that kind of a, a fact-based scenario that would have to be looked at more thoroughly by a, a lawyer in Quebec and, and possibly a lawyer in Ontario. I'm just, just thinking outside. I'm just thinking outside. I, I do want to throw it, and we'll let Jackie, I'll let you come in for a sec, Jack. I want, I want to throw a couple other questions out at you, Jennifer. Again, all this stuff sure. comes up as Jack and I do our job day to day and we communicate with our clients. They bring up scenarios that says, hey, I need to ask, ask an expert because I want to learn more. More and more people during COVID are saying, get me out of here. I am changing my lifestyle. I got lots of assets. The markets, plural, all markets have been good. I want to cash out, move abroad. Uh, so I want to go to, let's say, the Dominican Republic. And real estate's cheap. I have an expensive house. I'll sell my house and I'll move to the Dominican Republic. Uh, any advice on doing things like that? Multiple wills, uh, denouncing citizenship or not, healthcare. Uh, how does the law and what, how does your services fit into the, those types of uh, discussions? Well, you know, because I'm an estates lawyer, generally speaking, my services have to do with when, you know, how people are planning for their death, how, how people are doing their estate planning um, for the division of their assets, wherever they may be when they die. And usually when people do d decide to move abroad, and, and this does come up from time to time, they, you know, or people do live abroad and they have assets in Ontario, they decide to make two wills, and, and you had mentioned kind of multiple wills, and that's something that we are we are allowed to do in Ontario for many reasons. So one can make multiple wills to just simply save on what's called the state administration tax, which is a, a tax payable uh, to the court when one dies. And, and the oftentimes when people make multiple wills, it's because they have shares in privately held corporations and it's best to organize those shares so that they fall under a, a secondary will to avoid the payment of a state administration tax on the overall value of those shares. But another reason why someone would commonly make multiple wills is if they have, uh, like you said, moved to the Dominican or someplace nice and sunny, and they have assets in Ontario. It's best to make a, a will in the jurisdiction where they live and then another will in Ontario that would pertain to the assets that they've left here. So if they have a, a nice you know, account with you and Jack at Canaccord, then they would want to make sure that they have an asset, a, a will here in Ontario that deals with those assets so that uh, it can be better dealt with under Ontario law and can be more efficiently dealt with when they die. And similarly, they'll want one to uh, deal with their, their nice new house in the Dominican so that that house can be easily administered when they die by lawyers in the Dominican who are familiar with their law. And, and essentially by splitting up the, the two assets or the two jurisdictions, it, things can be better dealt with and more efficiently dealt with and in, in, in often in a more tax efficient manner. We speak with Jennifer Lynch, Robbins Appleby, uh, an estate lawyer here in Ontario. If you fail to plan, 
you plan to fail. We work so hard to build up an asset base. We're going to help you transition it properly. Stay tuned. More show right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. I help people build wealth along with my partner, Jack Hartle. Uh, we have Jennifer Lynch uh, on the line. She's a lawyer, an estate lawyer, helps you create a rock solid, bulletproof will. Uh, she's with Robbins Appleby. Jennifer, Jack, uh, as always, it's a pr- privilege and a pleasure to spend some time with you Saturday night. Um, I do want to ask Jennifer uh, some questions about U.S. estate tax, but I know, Jack, you got a couple of questions you want to ask Jennifer. So I'm going to throw it over to you first, Jack, and then I'll wrap it up with uh, a talk on uh, U.S. estate tax with Jennifer Lynch. Thanks, Wolf. And again, thanks, Jennifer, for joining us. Um, COVID really changed the, the landscape of business, and obviously wills are, are no exception, um, the way people conduct their wills. Are you seeing, Jennifer, like, any, any changes in priorities or any urgency that people have had over the last 18 months um, and how they're creating their wills and, and what they're prioritizing? Um, I mean, there has been, you know, a rush for people that didn't otherwise prepare wills before the pandemic to now do so. I think, you know, it's like anything else, people are, you know, they're scared, there's health ramifications and, and people are worried about COVID. And, and of course, people are then thinking that they want to get things in place. So certainly at at the, you know, at different stages during uh, 2020 and in the early 2021, there was certainly a rush for people who were looking to get wills and powers of attorney in place. That's another important uh, piece of the puzzle is, is making sure that there are, you know, that you've named somebody as your substitute decision makers to make healthcare decisions for you and to have power to handle your assets if you become sick or incapable. So so I think that was, you know, the, the biggest change in the in the last little while was just people making sure that they had these documents in place. Um, but uh, le- there are different complexities. So as you said, you know, a lot of people went elsewhere. They removed, you know, they might have moved uh, to someplace sunny. They might have mo- moved to someplace a little more, bit more remote. So mm-hmm. these were people who are kind of looking at making changes to their uh, existing documents to kind of incorporate these new lifestyles that they were living. Yeah, uh, Jennifer, I want to come back. I want to come back to two issues here that again Jack and I are coming across: second marriages. I want mm-hmm. you to speak to the importance of a will uh, when you engage into a second marriage, and uh, what are your findings as to how the children uh, are being treated when they're parent gets remarried because I'm, I'm hearing some horror stories uh about that and hence when you when it becomes a horror story that opens up the door for wills being contested nothing which the testator ever wanted to happen to the beneficiaries in the first place 
Mm-hmm. So blended, you know, blended families are tricky. Everybody wants to, you know, make sure that their new spouse has has a good life when they pass, and you know, has access to to funds and can often stay in the, the marital home. But they also very often want to make sure that their children are provided for. In the usual course, if if people make wills, if they, you know, people can, husband and wife can make what's called mirror wills, and they can be the same, and they can decide to leave everything to each other, but then make sure that the survivor of them, you know, that that everything else goes to each of their respective children from earlier marriages. But because there is testamentary freedom, there's nothing to otherwise prevent the, the survivor in a marriage to then change their will after they die, so they can. Jennifer, I want to, I want to, I want to interrupt you here, Jennifer, because I want you to repeat sure. what you said. It is so important what you said. I've seen it happen twice, but I, I want to make sure the audience understands exactly what you said. So please, I apologize for interrupting. Repeat it; it's very valuable. Sure. So what I was saying is there is what's called testamentary freedom. So even if you make, a, you know, a verbal agreement or a promise with your spouse that you are going to, you know, leave, you, for instance, say you both decide to make wills, leaving amounts to both sets of children from earlier marriages. There's nothing to then prevent the surviving spouse after the death of the first spouse from changing their mind, from simply deciding, no, you know what, the relationship with you know, my husband's children is not is not the same as it used to be, and I'm going to decide to leave everything to my children alone. And, and that does happen. The only way to really prevent that um, type of future decision is to leave uh, everything in what's called a trust. So that's where somebody can decide to leave their assets to their surviving spouse for the duration of that person's lifetime in a trust. So that person doesn't have the money outright. They can't then decide to make a new will and leave it to their children. They would have access to the money for their lifetime. And then when they die, it goes uh, according to the distribution of that trust. And usually that's to the person's uh, children, to, to the, uh, the testator's children. Or uh, Jennifer, both sets of children equally. Could you, um, again, I, I, it's hard when we're not in the studio, we can't look at each other from cues, uh, but um, could you, you, as drafting a will for a second relationship, mm-hmm. allocate some of the assets towards your second spouse and some of the assets towards your loving, caring children? Mm-hmm. You, could, you could do that. So you could divi- you could decide to essentially divide them up and say, okay, you know, my love gets 50% and my children get 50%. People often don't decide to do that, though, because under the Income Tax Act, there's what's called a spousal rollover. So you can distribute all of your capital property to your spouse uh, through your will, and that passes tax-free. So if you have a capital gain on any of that property, it's not otherwise triggered. Now, that rollover is not available when you're leaving assets to your children. So if you were to divide it so that your children receive, say, 50%, there is a taxable capital gain on those assets that would then go to your children. Um, it, it, it achieves the purpose you want if the purpose is to ensure that the children get some and that the spouse gets other assets outright. But there's a tax bill to be paid. That, that, Jennifer, you taught me you taught me something again. Thank you. So again, an RSP spousal rollover, non-registered assets, so a cash account uh, that perhaps doesn't have a large capital gain would work, but the capital gain would be taxable at the estate level, and then the beneficiary receive the difference. That's very, very 
helpful. Um, interest of time, Jack, I, I have another question for you. Jennifer, do you have something on your t- on your mind right now that you want to throw at her before we have to depart? But I want to talk about U.S. estate tax. I want to get that on the table too. Sure. Well, well, tax consequences, as Jennifer said, for individuals looking to leave money to their children, the, the way the, the way things are set up in Canada, most likely, or the most efficient way to typically leave assets is to your spouse. Uh, when you have a second spouse, it becomes more complicated. The one solution that we do find is uh, insurance policies where the, the kids are the beneficiary, and that just rolls directly to the to the individuals. Uh, the the young the second generation and then you get to have the tax free rollover to the uh, to the spouse so there are solutions Good around point. it but it's a it's a um, a case by case basis I will say right and then Jack and I of course provide those insurance solutions to our clients again if you have any of those questions you can contact us we manage money we manage risk we take a holistic approach and make sure that all of the boxes are checked um, Jennifer. A lot of our assets that Jack and I manage for our clients are invested in the United States. So our clients have a lot of U.S. exposure, it's called, and many of them also would have perhaps a condo in Florida. Um, U.S. estate taxes are real, and they're a moving number. Uh, when you would qualify for U.S. estate tax um, uh, uh, payments, uh, can you, do, do you, are you familiar with the current math and the, and, and the limits? Uh, as they sit in 2021, and if you and if so, can you share it with the audience? Sure. So, so you're correct, and that they they are always moving, and you know, currently they're they're quite high. So the exemption amounts for for uh, people having assets and being exempt from paying U.S. estate tax is, I believe, 11.2 million dollars. So if you hey, have yeah. assets. If you have die uh, having assets under that, and, and you would otherwise be paying U.S. estate tax. Essentially, you're fine. You you don't have to you pay anything. Um, so that's world that's worldwide assets, not U.S. assets. Uh, yes, that's that's correct. And is is that valued in Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars? It's valued in U.S. dollars. So eleven point two million worldwide asset U.S. dollars. Again, I'm going to tell you something, Jennifer. Clients of ours are getting there. Uh, believe it or not, that's not as rich as it once was. Uh, okay, so what happens if then the, the few of our clients who have over 11.2 million U.S. assets, then what happens? Uh, how does the math kick in? How does the tax kick in? Well, the, the problem with U.S. estate tax is it is quite hefty. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have the specific numbers. I have to say I don't uh, regularly deal with um, U.S. planning issues because because I'm a lawyer practiced in Ontario. But it, it does cl- it does climb to I believe uh, about forty percent uh, of of tax. So it, it's quite a high number. Um, so generally, if there are people that are creeping up towards that, you know, eleven twelve million dollars, it's prudent to start taking steps to uh, to reduce the overall value of the estate. That's usually how people um, start uh, looking to reduce the amount of U.S. estate tax or avoid it altogether is essentially, while they're alive, taking steps to gift assets of their estates to their loved ones or otherwise uh, arrange assets to bring them under under that threshold amount. Again, planning required. You, you can't do the stuff after you pass away. So again, Jack and I, we're just trying to bring these ideas and concepts to your attention uh, so that you are better equipped to deal with them. Uh, and they are complicated. So again, I, I encourage you, my friends at home, surround yourself with experts. They they are invaluable because the smallest amount of information can have a huge impact to the end result. Um, 
Jennifer, I can't thank you enough. Jennifer Lynch, lawyer, Robbins Appleby, LLP. As I always say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. A key element is a solid will when you're building wealth. And it's something you want to do basically as soon as you get married. It's a document that you want to review at least every five years and likely update change, in my humble opinion, every 15, 20 years, or at least when there's a key life-changing event occurring in your life. Um, and again, for further discussions, Jennifer, you have yourself a great weekend. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and get right back to the show about money called Hi-Fi Radio Global News, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends. That's what the show's all about. Indeed it is. You can't have too much money. If you have too much money, just give it away and you help a cause. Uh, a man who helps his cause continuously and very, very generously supported my sleep out for uh, Covenant House, Mr. Sandy McIntyre. Sandy, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Wolf. It's always a pleasure to, to have you on the show with us, Sandy. Um, uh, I respect uh, your tenure uh, in this industry. You, you worked on Bay Street for over 40 years. Uh, you, <laughs> he was around since Jesus Christ. Eh? Isn't that what Mick Jagger used to sing? But uh, yeah, you, I was just thinking with, with, with the Rolling Stones being back on the war, world tour, um, you're, you're, I guess, a year or two younger than Jagger, uh, and you're still That's at right. it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that it's unbelievable. You know, really, <laughs> to be born the same time as Mick Jagger, that man is still working. He is still dancing on stage, as is Keith Richards, defying gravity, defying the law of uh, science. I shall say, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, it's inspiring. Uh, it's great. It makes, I think, it makes the world smile. It really does. Well, they're they're good role models for old people. Uh, they are indeed. Uh, well, you're a great role model for for many people, Sandy. Um, I want to talk to you about the the little things that that are exciting, which is the market, and the big things that are boring and yet matter. Uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, the law of small numbers at the end. Uh, why don't we start with the market itself, uh, Sandy? You're a student of the stock market, and the the real estate market, and the interest rate market, the commodity market, and uh, oh, all the multiple markets, and probably even a bit of crypto in the, crypto on the corner of your eye. Um, but it's been an incredible year. Uh, again, up, you know mid 20 percent uh, any indice you take a peek at uh very low corrective year in other words the market barely had five percent corrections this year uh with it being so good uh in the last 11 months uh what what's your call for next year sandy um i'm, I'm still pretty close to fully invested and the way i look at it um I'm a taxable investor primarily. I do have an RRSP and a, and a uh, TFSA, but uh, the majority of my assets are in my personal hands in a taxable account. Um, 
the way I look at capital gains is that I have an interest-free loan from the government to remain invested in those securities. And the way I look at capital losses is these are available to be offset against capital gains and better securities. I let my investments run. I don't try to market time. I don't try to pick tops. Uh, I, 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 my investment time horizon is 10 to 20 years. And when, when, you, when you take that viewpoint, um, the down periods are opportunity as opposed to a problem. Um, on, on a slightly different subject, uh, I, I, I have a subscription to the New York Times, and uh, one of the articles that came across today is about U.S. Thanksgiving. It's, it, just quoting here, the real origin of the national holiday dates to Abraham Lincoln. On October 3rd, 1963, he called for the country in the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity to set aside the last Thursday in November as a day of Thanksgiving. While reciting the country's many blessings, a productive economy, bountiful harvests, and a growing economy, Lincoln also recommended that Americans give thanks with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. <laughs> um, I, just, I just thought that, would, that last bit would... would That's classic. You got um, Thanksgiving is about coming back, and uh, we've talked about this before. Um, I've been fortunate in my career, and I believe in giving back, and give back to those who need help, whether it be food banks, whether it be outreach, um, whether it be mental health. Find something that really matters to you and give back. It's a beautiful thing, Sandy. It really, really is. Let me, uh, um, I don't want to get too altruistic. And again, I just gave back and and, and listeners and friends donated over $80,000 to my cause. Uh, I ranked number one for raising money for Covenant House. I was very proud of that. But I fell short of my goal of $100,000. So there's still work to be done. And I have to give back more. I repeat, I have to give back more. We all must give back more. But market-wise, let's say focus on the stock market for a little bit longer for May Sandy McIntyre, former strategist with CI Investments, uh, now a philanthropist, uh, very much involved in giving back, which is a beautiful thing. Um, tax loss selling. The, it's the activity of selling a losing position to offset a winning position if you have a taxable event coming at you. Um, I, I, I continue to wrestle with the concept in my head. If you have a bad company, you should sell it regardless of price. Uh, if you have a good company, Sandy, and it's down because it's out of favor, Arc Energy was it was a stock that you mentioned on the show at six bucks. It's twelve, uh, but Arc was once a I think a twenty dollars stock, and it it, it fell hard. It, it fell down. I think with a three handle, uh, selling that stock at three would not have been a smart thing to do unless you could really deploy redeploy it well. So, what is your view on tax loss selling, indiscriminate selling, or just the, just the crap? But the crap shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, it, it, it's a decision that you make when the security that you hold um, is not operating 
correctly. Um, the business is not operating correctly, and it's reflected in the price of the stock. When that happens, I am absolutely fine with realizing the loss. And you can carry losses forward um, so that you, you don't necessarily have to realize a gain to offset it. Um, there are times... And, yeah, where, and backwards three years, by the way, since you mentioned that point. Yes. Yeah. Um, and my personal view is that as tax rates go up, it's better to carry them forward rather than going back on, on to prior tax years. Um, it's just, uh, you know... Yep. My tax rate in 2018 was lower than it is today uh, as, uh, as rates have crept up through their budgets. Um, if, if a stock is accidentally cheap because of some external factor, um, I'd be more inclined to buy more of it then uh, if, you, if you have the courage and the conviction in the operations of the business and the management team, um, buying ARC at three or six was pretty good strategy as opposed to selling it. Correct. Correct, indeed. We're going to take a quick break, get back with Sandy McIntyre. He's a retired uh, investment strategist, uh, formerly with CI Investments. He's a philanthropist uh, and he's a great friend. Uh, very, very much supported my sleep out uh, for homeless youth covenant house, which occurred uh, last week, November 18th. It's an annual event, uh, but there's so many great causes out there. It's not just homeless youth from environment to animals uh, to other shelters. There's so many great causes, whatever really is dear to your heart, support it. Let's take a quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, show about money, Global News, 640 Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends, to the show about money. It's amazing how muddy that production is. Uh, yet the song is great, but uh, early Rolling Stones, the production was actually really, really poor. Um, but great tunes nonetheless, and uh, well, things do change, as does technology. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, the show is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a weekly show. Jack and I, my partner, put on for you to help you better understand the complex world of money. Uh, we try to simplify it, and in fact, I truly believe uh, uh, building wealth is relatively simple. It's just not easy. Surround yourself with great people and they will help you get through the process that you can self-actualize and then give it all back. That's what Sandy McIntyre has done. It, you study marketing to talk about uh, the uh, hierarchy of needs and your life uh, ambitions. And well, when you get to the very top of the pyramid, you may self-actualize 
self-actualized. Very few people get to that level. I think Sandy McIntyre is self-actualized, which is uh, just wonderful to say. Uh, Sandy, uh, indeed, let's talk, if we may, uh, about the law of small numbers. What you said earlier, I, I am totally subscribing to, although maybe top of market speak, whereby extend your time horizon, it makes investing easier. Be in it truly for the next 10 and 20 years, as opposed to the next quarter or two. And again, it's difficult to have that mindset. Uh, but I think once you've logged decades in the business, you realize that is one of the most optimal mindsets to have because it'll get you through the bad days, which are opportunistic if you know how to approach them. But Sandy, um, you, you know what is happening with Jack and I right now is we're getting phone calls uh, from uh, individuals who have never called us before, and they say they want to take out a half a million dollars from real estate, in other words, borrow against their house, borrow against their rental, and put it into the stock market right here, right now. Uh, no experience with the stock market. These individuals will be in their late 50s, but what they see is an appreciating real estate market and yet a debt asset that they want to add leverage to. What, what do you think of that, Sandy? That's uh, called fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. <laughs> um, they're jealous that other people are making money and they want some of it too. Uh, I call that Mr. Bean investing. You're doing and behave yourself in reference to their actions. Um, has very little to do with your personal needs or objectives. Uh, I do not use leverage in investing. Um, I don't agree with using leverage in, in investing because when you get major market declines, it is always the levered players who are being forced to sell to pay back the loans. It just, it, to me, it is bad strategy. Now, one of the issues that I have with the stock market today is the volume in derivatives, that's options, futures, is much higher than the volume in cash equities. So people are, are using wow. instruments to drive index returns. And there will be a denouement about this. Each of the major sell-offs that we've had over the past five years has originated in the futures market. And uh, you know, this is not something that a retail investor can keep track of, but um, I, I, you know, I, I can pull up the futures, look at the volumes, and when I see major downdrafts pre-opening illiquid markets, something is going on. And, and quite frankly, um, the best example is uh, when the market opened um, on Christmas Eve um, in 2019. Um, there, there was a big downdraft, and it was driven by futures likely selling out of Europe that pulled cash equities down. We got a we got a buyable. Sorry, it was 2018. We got a buyable low in the last week of December of that year. And I remember I, clear as day. So does yeah. Jack. Clear as day. Yeah. Sandy, you're, you're, you're sharing some brilliant uh, knowledge with the listener. I, I, friends, I really hope you appreciate what Sandy has just been explaining to us. Uh, and Jack and I had a guest on. Jack, you remember the guest. He was a portfolio manager from, again, one of the big institutions. And he thinks, again, the next hiccup in the market 
will be a result of an unwinding of a leveraged position. Leverage is borrowed money, so don't do it. You don't need the aggravation. By the way, both those clients are prospects or individuals who contacted us. We advised both of them. Don't do it. It's not worth the aggravation. Don't give us the business. Keep it simple. If you can, if you own stocks, make sure you own them outright. So when the market goes down, there's only one thing you need to do. If Microsoft goes down 30%, Sandy, would you be a buyer or a seller of Microsoft down 30%? I am a buyer at Microsoft. Thank is you. One, one of the structures of everyday life. What about Google? Down 30%, buy or sell? I, Google is one of the structures of everyday life. Um, Facebook, buy or sell, down 30%. You're a buyer. Um, quite frankly, JP Morgan, down to JP Morgan, down 30%, buyer or seller. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a buyer of anything that's down 30%. That is part of the um, structures of everyday se se life. Sexy, sexy, sexy tech stock trading at 30 times revenue. No chance of making money for three years. Buyer, growth rate 50%, buyer or seller, down 30%. I wouldn't even look at it. <laughs> I'm loving. I'm having fun. Yeah. This is great, Jack. Are you smiling? You must be smiling right now. Jandy, Sandy, I can't tell you how much I love you. No, you're brilliant. You're great. You're amazing. What's Sandy talking about? Structures of everyday life. These are the utilities that we all use. You pick up your your iPhone. What do you do? You go onto Facebook. You go onto Instagram. If you need to search something, you're going to go onto Google. Do the search. They're clipping a little coupon from you every time you do that. So when when Sandy this is what we want to own. life, it's a toll booth. Absolutely. Yeah, so buy it, own it, and buy more of it if it's down. And that's my point. Investing is simple. It's just not easy. But again, Sandy, everything you've said is exactly what Jack and I do uh, or trying to do. Again, the, the media is the enemy. Manias are the enemy. Every now and then, clients are the enemy, too, because they put these little ideas in my head that take me offside. But Sandy, I always like to call guys like you, and again, you're a great shoulder to lean on because you've seen so much. Uh, we got 60 seconds, Sandy. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I call the CNBC and BNNs of the world the comedy networks. Um, <laughs> they, they, their job is to sell advertising, and the best way to sell advertising is to keep your audience in a state of low-grade anxiety. They come back. <laughs> No great anxiety. Well, Sandy, you are correct uh, and to the point. I want to wish you a great uh, weekend, Sandy. Uh, you be safe and uh, continue on with your good work. You're a great human being. Uh, God bless you, and we love you. Uh, friends at home, thank you very much for tuning in. The show Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.